So, we are in our second of the eight-part series of spiritual warfare. Somebody said to me, you know, do you really think the church needs to hear about spiritual warfare? After all, we're saved. We're saved. You don't think the demons would really come after us? Well, the answer is, who do you think they'd come after? Are they going to come after the guys on the curb? The robbers, those that are filling the prisons? Of course not. He's got those guys, but he doesn't have you. And how great for, for demons if they could say they got you out of your call, out of your ministry, out of serving God. Uh, and I really believe in a powerful way this is what God really wants us to learn. You know, I'm going to recite the words of C.S. Lewis, uh, who he said, the greatest call on his life would be that on the day that he died, hell would be in celebration. How's that? On the day that you die, the demons in hell are celebrating. He's gone. We don't have to contend with him. And I'm going to say that that's my goal for each and every one of you. And that's the nature of this series. So if you were to study the book of Ephesians uh, from a macro view, you would see effectively that it was divided into three parts. First, there's chapters one through three, uh, who deal with the abundant life of the believer, all the blessings that are in store for us as we follow Christ in every powerful way. Uh, and then chapters four and five, uh, we shift gears to a discussion of the believer's behavior. How do we promote unity? How do we promote love? How are we to succeed in marriage? How to love as Christ loved? And then there's chapter 6. And that's what we're focusing on. Spiritual warfare. The walk of the believer. Uh, the spiritual darts and arrows that we face and that we endure. And so this is something of a call to arms. Really. Uh, to prepare you for what you're going to face on both the defensive side and an offensive side. Everything that's guaranteed to protect you from the enemy and to take the enemy down. Now, by way of context, I've said it before, but it's important to understand this. Paul wrote this while he was chained in Rome to a Roman centurion. Uh, and I'm sure that as they were chained, he looked at this centurion and saw that he was heavily armed. Uh, and God gave him discernment for him to write this uh, as he had this picture of armament. And so we're going to read again Ephesians 6, uh, verses 10 to 8. It's the predicate of everything that we study here. And you see it on the board. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of the dark world, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God. So when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground and after you have done everything to stand. Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, 
and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, and pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Always keep on praying. This ties all of these verses up. Keep praying. Stay in communication with God. And today's sermon, we're going to focus on the fact that God wants us to stand firm. Stand firm. Verse 14, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place. That's what we're going to focus on today. The belt of truth, standing firm, uh, be embodied with the righteousness of Christ. This is how you will defend against the attacks of Satan. And continue to pray. Pray always, in every way. And so as it turns out, we are engaged in an invisible war against the powers, against the authorities, against the principalities that are in the air, that surround us, that are in control of this evil world, the demonic forces. One-third of the angels that were cast out of heaven were cast to this earth, and now they serve Lucifer. That's who they serve. And they are in every place. They are in every government, in, in every seat of government, uh, and they are every part of this world. Uh, and they are doing, looking to take you out of the love of Christ. They're, they want to take you away from your ministry. They want to ruin you so that you don't serve Jesus Christ. Yes, you're saved. Yes, you're going to heaven. But they want to strip everything else away from you so that you cannot advance the cause of heaven. And so in four places... In this text, uh, Paul says it exactly this way. Stand against the schemes of the devil. Withstand the evil day. Stand firm. Let's talk about standing firm. That's your responsibility. Yes, God will protect you. God will give you the armor. But you have to stand firm in the place where God put you. Now, standing, if you really take it apart, communicates deference and honor, and respect. Uh, in this case, standing conveys the idea that those of us who follow Jesus will not, go, will not cut and run. We will not go away when things get rough uh, and the battle gets fierce. We will stay where God has called us. Uh, and this is important to understand this. Devoted followers of Christ stand their ground. They prepare for battle ahead of time. Uh, even as Satan provokes them. And that's why we have these sermons, so that you're prepared. Even when you don't understand the circumstances that life gives you uh, in the fight, you plant your feet on God's unchanging promise and his assurance that he is present and he cares. Amen, church? Amen. Clearly, Paul would not encourage us uh, to stand firm if he was not convinced that we would win the war that has been waged. The reason he can tell us to stand firm 
and tell us then again and again to stand firm is that he knows beyond a shadow of a doubt this battle we engage in has been won in Christ at the cross. It's been won. Satan has been defeated, all right? He's been defeated. Uh, And even though he's like a roaring lion, the Bible tells us, is going around seeking who he can devour, he will not devour you. You are saved. And when you stand firm with the armor of God, clothed in his righteousness, he cannot touch you. Now, the Old Testament gives us an interesting picture. Uh, In Exodus 14, it tells the story of the people of Israel uh, escaping from Egypt after God allowed 10 plagues to be impacting uh, Pharaoh and his uh, people. And they ravaged Egypt. Uh, And they even destroyed Pharaoh's own son. They had seen this magnificent display of power by God. And yet a few days into the wilderness experience as they left, upon realizing that Pharaoh's army was chasing them, uh, and they were now having their backs against the Red Sea, they began to worry and to complain and to be fearful. Would God protect us? Surely he had done that before, but would he do it again? Would God extend his protection to us? Pharaoh had gathered 600 of the fastest chariots in the region and began to pursue them. Uh, and in this ancient world, chariots were virtually unstoppable on the open terrain. Uh, when the Israelites saw, they saw it from a distance, this massive army approaching. They, they figured that with or without God, they were done. They were finished. And so, typical of the Jewish people and the Hebrew people, they began a fueled tirade to Moses, complaining, whining. Why did you take us out? What have you done to us? They worried. They complained. But look as they panicked what Moses said to them. And you see it in Exodus 14, verse 13. And you know what resonates in my heart today? This is how I believe you have to live even when you're under these attacks. Moses answered the people, do not be afraid. Stand firm and you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring you today. The Egyptians you see today you will never see again. How about that? The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. You need only to be still. You need to stand firm with the quiet resolution and knowledge that God will be with you. He will not abandon you. This is good advice. It was good advice then, as you know, God destroyed all of Pharaoh's army in the Red Sea. He destroyed them all. And yes, a battle rages. Yes, a battle rages today. But equally true is the fact that our gracious God has our back. He is our soldier. He is our warrior. He is our victory. He is our relief. And he will not abandon you. Now, the Israelites were a ragtag mob, frankly, of former slaves and we're, not, we're armed with nothing more than pitchforks and shepherd staffs. How about that? Uh, but their God, you see, was heavily armed and able to take any enemy down. And this is what God has promised. He has promised to save his people. Just as he saved the Jewish people, he will save us today. This promise exists 
for us today. And so, when we feel helpless in the face of daunting circumstances, and they will come, they will come, all kinds of circumstances, whether they're financial or relationship or health. So, you know, Satan has a million ways of affecting you. He starts with your mind, but then he affects your body. He can do it. And so we have to be mindful of the fact that God is fighting for us. He will not allow us to be defeated. He parted the Red Sea uh, and destroyed the army of Pharaoh. Uh, and after he did that, look at what the Israelites said. You see it in Exodus chapter 15, verse 2. This is what they said. The Lord is my strength and my defense. He has become my salvation. He is my God, and I will praise him, my father's God, and I will exalt him. The Lord is a warrior. The Lord is his name. How about that? The same people that whined and complained now understood that God stood with them and fought with them, and that's for you today. These are verses that you should keep in your heart. Yes, yes, our God is a warrior, and yes, we are assured in victory in the end, but still we have to live in this fallen world. And in this present state, Satan's schemes can wreak havoc in our lives. Look, I don't want you to think that because you're a Christian, you're going to have a bed of roses right away up to heaven. Okay? Look, how did the first 12 guys work out? Every single one of them were martyred. Well, if it didn't work out for them on a bed of roses, why do you think it should work out that way for you? But be prepared. He walks with you. He carries you. He's with you. He will not let you fail, and he will take you right into the arms of Jesus Christ. Right into the arms of Jesus Christ. And that's what Paul is saying to you here in Ephesians chapter 6. Do not fear Satan in the long run. Do not fear him. He is done when this world is done. When this world comes to an end, the plug is going to be pulled on Lucifer. Uh, but stay on your guard. Be prepared now and then, recognizing he is powerful and prevalent even today. Now, the watchword for us today in this sermon is to be prepared. Uh, watch yourselves while you live in this world. Do not run heedlessly uh, into battle. And do not give up your God-given ground. Your God-given ground. God placed you somewhere. He put you someplace. You know, he put you in this church. This is your church. God expects you to stand here and be a part of this church. Don't give up. Don't give up because your mind tells you you're distracted or you'd rather go on vacation or you're not feeling too good or even it might be raining. You have no idea how I prayed this morning that the rain would hold off. I saw the forecast last night. I said to Linda, we're doomed. It's supposed to start raining at 6. We'll be preaching to ourselves. But thank God you're here. Thank God. All right? You looked at the weather and you said, I'm not going to be stopped. I'm going out to church. And that's what God wants you to do. This is what is called standing firm, where God has given you. May the devil always find us standing firm and not giving up the ground that God has given us. Uh, and how do we stand firm? By putting on the seven pieces of, of spiritual armor that Paul has told us. The key here is that we put on all seven 
pieces, and then we stand firm. Now, today we're going to begin with the belt of truth. In Paul's day, people wore belts to keep their flowing garments from dragging on the ground. For a Roman soldier, however, it was even more poignant because all of his weaponry, you see, was hung off that belt. His very life support uh, was on that belt. And so, first of all, it is truth alone that strengthens me. This is important. Truth alone that strengthens me. The truth of God, the word of God, the truth of God, living a life, living a life bound up in God's truth means living sincerely, living honestly and candidly before God and before life that pursues wholeness and holiness. That's what truth is, that God wants you to live in sincerity, that you live a life of honesty, a life of integrity. Uh, And when you do that, that is part of your defense against the wiles of Satan. Look, Satan has been described by Jesus as being a liar, even the father of lies. Look at John 8, verse 44, as Jesus confronted the Pharisees. And he said there, you belong to your father, the devil, and you want to carry out your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. I love that line. When he lies, he's speaking his native language. How about that? It's his native language. Just as yours is English, his is lying. That's how he is. And he is the father of all lies. And this is what he does, you see. He comes to you. Uh, and I told you last week that, that people of faith are dealing with the white glove demons. We're not dealing with those that would cause murders or robbers uh, or havoc out in the public domain. But it said these are the sophisticated ones. You know what I'm talking about, the slanderers. How about that? Uh, the lying, the people that, that cause division in a church. Do you wonder how good churches fail? It's because Satan put his nose under the tent, and they got in there, and they caused people to be misguided and to be prompted by lies, the white glove demons. Uh, And so you need to be aware of this. Uh, And so we need to do the opposite of what Satan would do. When he lies to you, you need to speak the truth uh, and refute him with the truth of God. Uh, And when he prompts you to make bad choices, you need to refute him again and stand firm. No, I will not do that. No, I will not go there. I stand with God. When he promises immediate gratification, and you know, that's, we're all tempted, aren't we? We all like that immediate gratification. I love gratification, especially immediate gratification. We must rest on the timeless truth of God's word, the timeless truth of God's word. It is truth that keeps our eyes trained on Jesus Christ instead of on the ever-shifting highs and lows of life. It is truth. That helps us detect falsehood 
uh, in every way that leads to nothing but ruin and destruction. We need to pray, God, give me discernment and wisdom as these thoughts come into my mind, as I'm tempted. Take them away from me. Uh, it is truth that leads us to understand that the falsehood of Satan leads to nothing but ruin and discussion. It is truth, the very truth of God, that keeps our feet on the path of holiness and that keeps us from being led astray by Satan's schemes. Truth prompts us to, our, uh, to own up to our own sin. It is truth that convicts you of your own sin. It is truth that compels you to confess your sin to God. Truth invites you to bring that which is darkness into the brightness of Christ's penetrating light. That is the truth of God. It is truth that washes us clean. And this truth always points us to Jesus, who is the way, the truth, and the life. That's what the truth is. It embodies Christ in every way. It's insignificant here, as we study this passage, that Paul puts truth first. Number one, this suggests that successful spiritual warfare begins with fixing Christianity's great doctrines firmly in our minds. We have to understand the theology of Christ. We have to understand what the Bible stands for and plant it firmly in our mind. Without truth, without the knowledge of God, we become vulnerable to the attacks of Satan. That is why we have to spend time reading the Bible. Every single day of your life, you should find a time to read the Bible. So many of us are obsessed with cable news, with books and magazines, and I'm not putting that down. There's a place for that. But you need to spend time in learning ultimate truth. You won't learn ultimate truth from those sources. You'll only learn that from the Bible. There is only one ultimate truth. It is the very word of God. Now, Romans 12, verse 2 says the following. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Do you see the importance of renewing your mind, of strengthening your mind, of reading scripture, of being in the word? It is the renewing daily of your mind that will protect you as you bow to the will of God. God renews our mind by, 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 by lifting our lives, and he does that through the renewal of our minds. Uh, he renews our minds by the truth of God. Uh, the truth is the very word of God. Now, if Satan can get you to believe a lie, then he can begin to work in your life to lead you to sin. That's what he did at the Garden of Eden. This is what he does. Let me start with a little lie. I'll just put a little lie there. And from that, you see, mankind fell. He then attacks the mind. It is the mind where he attacks. And you need to be aware of it. That is why we must protect our minds. I have to say this to you. You have to leave here today resonantly approving the fact that you have to uh, have your, your mind protected. Look at Philippians 4, verses 8. One of my favorite verses in the Bible. Uh, I have this uh, in a piece of art that I hang on the wall where I see it constantly. 
Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. If it's not true, Paul writes, do not let it enter into your mind. And so this is important. That's the importance of truth, and you see it there, and you need to be guided. Well, then Paul next speaks about the breastplate of righteousness. In Paul's day, most combat was of the face-to-face variety. For that reason, the chest of a warrior had to be protected at all costs. It was his heart. And it typically involved a sleeveless piece of armor made of bronze or chainmail. Now, Paul is saying in the same way a soldier protects himself with a breastplate, uh, you have to protect your chest area as well. Look at Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23. Above all else, it says, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. We are to guard our hearts. How do we guard it? With the righteousness of Jesus Christ, not self-righteousness, but bowing to the righteousness of Christ. Look at 2 Corinthians, if you would, chapter 5, verse 21. It's on the board. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. We don't fight with carnal, worldly weapons, you see, that rely on our own strength. Your own strength is irrelevant. If you fight in your own strength, you will fail. Rather, we fight with the strength found only in Christ Jesus. It is the righteousness of Christ that's ours. We need to put ourselves, attach it to the body of Christ. We do that as we accept him and bow to him and let him take control of our lives. Another way to think of righteousness is right living. The kind of right living is only possible, you see, in Jesus Christ. I want you to think of this. Most people do not share their faith with people who do not know God. And I want you to think about it. Some surveys have been done, and they have concluded that the typical reason is that their answers come down to personal sin. You see, they neglect sharing their faith, not because of fear or intimidation or lack of knowledge of the gospel, but rather they neglect sharing their faith Because while they love God, and they say they love God, and long to follow God, truthfully, they love their sin more. That's what happens. There's a compartment in their life, which is that secret compartment which has sin. Uh, And they are not pursuing righteousness. They're not pursuing right living. And they find it difficult themselves to encourage others to live that way. Uh, They think to themselves, what kind of hypocritical phony am I that I would have to tell somebody to live like this, and yet I don't live like this? You see? You see how Satan takes you out of the will of God, how Satan does this to you? Satan scores a victory, you see, by neutralizing yet another believer's impact in a world that so desperately needs God. This is certainly not an endorsement, I want you to understand, of legalism or self-righteousness. I am simply encouraging those of us who know the Lord, 
uh, to put on the power that is ours, that is him. Look at 1 John chapter 4, verse 4. You, dear children, are from God and have overcome them because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. The one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. You know, in Ephesians chapter 1, verses 19 to 20, Paul referred to the immeasurable greatness of God's power towards those who believe him and accepted him. He explained that it is the very same power that God used when he raised Jesus from the dead. It's the same power that he uses in our lives and put Jesus at the right hand of God. This power is ours. It's yours. It's yours to deflect against Satan. It's yours to deflect against the demonic forces. We must remain positionally in Jesus Christ in order to have this power. You have to walk with Christ. You have to read the Bible. You have to pray to God. You have to stand firm. And if you do all that, you will be positionally in a position where you will be able to deflect the arrows of Satan. We must remember as we fight these spiritual battles where there is integrity in our life. And let me underline that. Where there is integrity in our lives, we live in victory. When there is a lack of integrity, we live in defeat. It all comes down to whether or not you're willing to wear that vest of righteousness. And so there you have it. Stand firm in the truth of God, covered by the righteousness of Jesus Christ, focusing on his word, surrounded by his truth, and bowing in submission to his will. You will be an effective soldier for Christ. Amen, church? Let's bow our heads. Father, I thank you for the words that you've given us. I thank you for the instruction, Lord. I thank you for understanding about the understanding the armor of God. Lord, I pray that as we listen, you let these messages resonate in our heart so that we can stand firm with you. Lord, every one of us wants to stand the way C.S. Lewis did, to say that on the day that I die, that on the day that I leave this world, I hope every demon in hell is celebrating because I'm no longer here. That is my prayer for this church. Every single one of us, as we carry the cross of Christ in a world that is dark and we spread the light and the truth, Lord. Be with our people and bless them in every way. As we put all of this in Jesus' precious name, amen. 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 Amen.